Welcome guys to the Trying Podcast. My name is Nanini and on this podcast I'll be sharing with you the steps that I'll be taking to try and get over my fears and get out of my comfort zone. I feel like I should just mention this right now in the beginning. <laughs> so some of the friends and the guests from the previous episode I decide to pop in <laughs> at any time. So, yeah, just be aware of that. So, um, I have, I made a search online and I've gotten this meaning of whatever I searched, right? In the Merriam-Webster dictionary and what I was searching for was um, radical, you know? Like, what does radical mean? And the Merriam-Webster dictionary said, like, extreme radical change is the type of change that is very new and different from the usual or ordinary. Yeah, that's all they said. And that made sense to this topic because... The topic is radical commitment. So even without having to search for the meaning, I knew, you know, I had an idea of what a radical commitment meant or means. And also, like in general, right? Like if somebody asked me, what to you, what do you mean? What do you think radical commitment is? You know, I could use some of my own words explain and when it comes to this being a message in my life I've had to really 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 search what this means because if I was just going to place it anywhere it would be so easy because I could say okay fine like God expects me to have radical commitment with my actions you know to change completely from this to that like would be very meh you know and it wouldn't be from the heart because it would just be like okay fine what does what like what does god want me to do this time or this like something like that and that's not the type of relationship i feel according to even what i've read the little that i've read in the bible that's not the relationship that god wants with his people right he doesn't want the type of relationship like do this, do this, do this. Yes, master. You know? <laughs> anyway. <sighs> so I have really, really had to think about this. And to be honest, uh, I've, I only have one example. And honestly, not from my life. I might I might try to link a few things when it comes to radical commitment, when it comes to my life. Yani jogo. So, I mean, if I'm to search if I've ever made even a radical commitment ever, <clears throat> if I was to search, I'm sure something comes to mind even now. But my point is, I don't want to to try and link things that 
maybe that's not what God says, right? So to me, for example, today I don't have an example from my life. I honestly don't. I don't. And I don't think that's that's important even for me to understand what this means right now. Because the example that I've, that has come to mind was Paul. The Paul who was Saul. Yeah, the guy, the um, the Apostle Paul. That's the actual example that I have when it comes to radical commitment. And if through his story, right, through his story, then moving forward, and there are so many other types of examples when it comes to radical commitment in the Bible, I'm sure. I don't know so many, I am sure. Even Jesus, I mean, you know, he committed till death, you know, to God's will. So, yeah, that's radical. And his commitment, like, led to so much change in this world. And it's still changing things. So, yeah, the Jesus example is a pretty good one. (laughs) But to be honest, what came to mind was Paul. So... In my two short notes here, I've just written, like, when the, when the Paul Nini came to mind, I wrote, okay, so, Paul, whose name was Saul, made this radical commitment to obey and follow Christ, even when three days earlier, he was killing Christians, you know? So that's, like, a short notes I made. And then from there, now I started trying to look into Paul's story. I usually write that down so that I don't forget <laughs> what's in my head at the moment. So that's the short description of the entire thing, literally. <laughs> the commitment that Paul made. <sighs> okay, so there's a lot that is packed into that story, you know, that short sentence. Paul, whose name was Saul, and like you're, you ask yourself, like, okay, why the name change, right? And then, I mean, to change your name, you really have to commit. Or, like, you you have to have made, like, to have thought about it for you to actually ch- change your quote-unquote identity, you know? Anyway, so Paul, whose name was Saul, made this radical commitment to obey and follow Christ, even when three days earlier, he was killing Christians. <laughs> so this... This sentence has like so many questions because you're like, okay, a change in three days. Mm, sure, I mean, yeah, that can happen. A complete turnaround. Sure. But wait, you are killing Christians and imprisoning them. Like, imprisoning them three days earlier, and now you're what? You're like on their side, on, on the side of the this messiah they claim to follow you know so this study is is a very it's not strange it's like a radical story right and i think uh, to explain this type of commitment this type of change like the radical change like this this change is the type of change that affects the root, you know. Hey, sir, what's up? 
so it's a type of change that affects the root or let me just say it this way it's the change that comes from the root like it originates from the root it's a root issue that has been sorted and the change has affected the, i don't know you know like it comes from the root like it means that like say if the tree if a tree whose root is like way deep right spread out and deep and in the ground and when that root is the roots are affected then the tree is not stable anymore right when when the roots are affected it affects the entire tree whether that tree has stood in that position for decades and and you know no matter how long that tree has stood there if something is some change affects the roots then the change affects the entire tree so i think that's what i'm trying to say when it, i say it's like a roots change <laughs> because if we see like if we look at paul's example i think i'm just going to read like a very short part of the beginning the of paul's story in the bible so it i've seen like in acts chapter 8 literally chapter 8 verse 1 this is the for context this is after stephen who was a disciple um was accused by um by the council in the jewish people like you know okay at the, at this time christians were being killed stoned to death like slaughtered in being imprisoned just because they were claiming that jesus was god you know and for jews they have always believed god is one there is no other god that we should worship even though even when they're stoning stephen you know it's not like they 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 still worshiped god yahweh you know but anyway <laughs> i don't want to excuse me belch i don't want to I even forget what I'm trying to say. So anyway, my point is these same guys who are prosecuting Stephen that apostle, right? They they are prosecuting him by the claims claiming with the claims that uh-uh, they are prosecuting him because of what Stephen is claiming. He's claiming that Jesus who they killed right was and still is the messiah and he resurrected you know and people should worship him because he is god he is a son of god he is god <sighs> and so these people are like blasphemy you know you're clear you're speaking against god whatever whatever and so they stoned him so anyway stephen was stoned right and in acts chapter 8 we see um verse 1 start and Saul approved of his murder 
Okay. So we continue. That very day, the church in Jerusalem began to suffer cruel persecution. All the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the provinces of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men buried Stephen, mourning for him with loud cries. Verse 3. But Saul, but Saul tried to destroy the church, going from house to house. He he dragged out the believers, both men and women, and threw them into jail. So that's how we introduced to Saul. Well, I, to be honest, I don't know if Saul is talked about before. <laughs> I don't want to claim my own to things. I don't know. But to me, so far, you know, I'm going to try and find out. But as for now, I think this is where we're introduced to Saul. I think. Okay. So anyway, so we go to Acts chapter nine, and then we we see how not like the house soul whose name is now Paul, like his story now, right? So in Acts chapter nine, it reads, "In the meantime, Saul kept up his violent threats of murder against the followers of the Lord. He went to the high priest." and asked for letters of introduction to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he should find there any followers of the way of the Lord, uh, that's what the, the followers of Jesus are called, the way. <sighs> How cool is that? Where was I? Verse 2. And asked for letters of introduction to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he should find there any followers of the way of the Lord, he should he would be able to arrest them both men and both men and women and bring them back to jerusalem as saul was coming near the city of damascus suddenly a light from the sky flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him saul saul why do you persecute me who are you lord he asked i am jesus whom you persecute, the voice said, but get up and go into the city where you will be told what you must do. Verse 7. The men who were traveling with Saul had stopped not saying a word. They heard the voice but could not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground and opened his eyes but could not see a thing. So they took him by the hand and led him to Damascus. For three days, he was not able to see, and during that time, he did not eat or drink anything. Okay, verse 10. There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. He had a vision in which the Lord said to him, Ananias, here I am, Lord. Okay, I just love the fact that the Bible says the Lord said to him, right? Like Jesus said to him. And Jesus is speaking to Ananias. You know what I mean? I love that. It's not like, I feel like the Lord. Is it? Okay. So it's not like how, even though I, I also do that, because I wouldn't really want to, to say that, say God is saying something and maybe it's just my feelings. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if. Okay. Let me just pause there. That's a... I don't know how to continue with that. 
but these apostles are so firm and they're so so clear and they're so sure when they say Jesus has said the Lord has said you know because it's true anyway that's just like a kasaid nini okay let me just I, i think what's in my heart right now it's like i want to be that clear you know like i want to be that sure so that like i want to be sure when god says something that's why i really i'm really really trying to listen and obey and if i listened and maybe it wasn't god telling me to do something <laughs> and I've obeyed something say it's okay god will never tell me to do something against the word right it's not he's not going to tell me to do something that's wrong so even if i do something nice and it's not what god has said i won't have lost anything but i think i'm training myself because i'm trying to get in shape right to stop doubting not not only doubt, stop doubting myself but to st- stop doubting god when he speaks right i want to be sure i think that's why i'm getting a little bit emotional i think that's why these verses when they say like the lord said ananias like he's calling ananias and then ananias is saying yes lord like here i am you know it's an actual voice anyway Whew, okay um when acts chapter 9 let me start verse verse 10 There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. He had a vision in which the Lord said to him, "Ananias, here I am, Lord," he answered. Verse 11. The Lord said to him, "Get ready and go to Straight Street and at the house of Judas ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him." so that he may see he might see again Ananias answered Lord many people have told me about this man and about all the terrible things he has done to your people in Jerusalem and he has come to Damascus with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who worship you the lord said to him go because i have chosen him to serve me to make my name known to the to gentiles and kings and to the people of israel and i myself will show him all that he must suffer for my sake so ananias went entered the house where saul was and placed his hands on him brother saul nice brother saul he said the lord has sent me jesus himself who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here he sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the holy spirit at once something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes and he was able to see again he stood up and was baptized and after he had eaten his strength came back Saul stayed for a few days with the believers in Damascus he went straight to the synagogues and began to preach that Jesus was the son of God all who heard him were amazed and asked isn't he the one who in jerusalem was killing those who worship that man jesus and didn't he come here for the very purpose of arresting those people and taking them back to the chief priest 
but Saul's preaching became even more powerful, and his proofs that Jesus was the Messiah, who was were so convincing that the Jews who lived in Damascus could not answer him. After many days had gone by, the Jews met together and made plans to kill Saul. But he was told of their plan. Day and night they watched the city gates in order to kill him. But one night Saul's followers took him and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Saul went to Jerusalem and tried to join the disciples, but they would not believe that he was a disciple, and they were all afraid of him. <laughs> Can you imagine? Say Hitler. I know this is like a, like a, like a huge example to make, right? But for real. Hitler was killing people. Saul was killing people. Kwanzaa Hitler was killing Jews. Oof. So anyway, my point is this. Say Hitler comes to your house and tells you, you comes to your church, like a congregation of people who are believing in Jesus, right? He comes to you and says, like, I am one of you. <laughs> oh, such a beautiful bird. A blue bird has just flown right like past my in front of me another one nice i'm going to paint these pads one day this year okay so i was given like oh hitler say hitler comes to your home you're praying with your friends and whatever or your church and then he says like okay i want to join you guys because you know i'm one of you <laughs> so like i understand like these disciples are scared so in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says, Saul went to Jerusalem and tried to join the disciples, but they would not believe that he was a disciple, and they, was, they were all afraid of him. Then Barnabas came to his help and took him to the apostles. He explained to them how Saul had been, has seen okay, he explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road, and that he and that the Lord had spoken to him. He also told them how boldly Saul had preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And so Saul stayed with them and went all over Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He also talked and, and disputed with the Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the, when, the believers, when the believers found out about this, they took Saul to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. 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 And so it was that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had at the time. And so it was that the church and so it was that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had a, had a time of peace. <sighs> Through the help of the Holy Spirit, it was strengthened and grew in numbers as it lived in reverence for the Lord. Okay. So I don't I don't know where we are told his name is changed to Paul, but I don't think that's necessary right now. But his name, Saul's name eventually changes to Paul. Wow. I mean, can you imagine such a radical change? How do people don't even believe you? <laughs> uh, 
and like I said, I honestly don't know if there's an exact thing God is calling me to make, like to do specifically when it comes to this message. But I, I'm going to take it as, okay. I wanted to say I'm going to take it generally. But when I was kind of like researching for this message and I googled like, okay, my research is literally just googling. So I googled like radical commitment and then I I saw like somebody had actually written a, a, a blog. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to call it. But anyway, they had really given examples and stuff like that from the Bible and even like just general things about radical commitment. And there's something say, like I wrote down this statement. They had said a radical commitment is a commitment that originated from God and is in line with God's revealed truth. So whatever type of commitment that is in line, like, like that is like a radical commitment that I feel like God is leading me towards, it should not be from like my own type of mind wisdom or say my friend has told me to do something and I feel like it's something good, but the Bible is against it. God is against Like, you know what I'm saying? It, sh- it should align with God's words. It should align with God's message. It should align with the message of truth. Jesus' message, you know? So when I say that I'm going to make it general, I I don't know about that. I don't know. Mm. Hmm. This same person has said, this type of commitment, <clears throat> this type of commitment requires a disruption from the normal life patterns. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm reading like this type of commitment requires a disruption from the normal life patterns and setting aside of personal pleasures. Sorry, think Nikahoma. So just like with Paul's story, you know, his commitment originated from God because God Himself spoke to him. Right, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, and he told he 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 like revealed himself to him, right? And what he went on to do was preach the word of God. Preach that Jesus is the son of God. Now, is that true? Yes. That is in line with God's truth. So it was from God, you know. His commitment was led by God. And his also commitment like disrupted his entire thing. Literally, he was on the way. He had gotten this letter from wherever, and then he was on the way to start like all these mass arrests and killings. He was on the way to do something. It's not like he had in his mind like I'm going to just uh, start believing in Christ. No, he was actually persecuting Christ. So it disrupted like this type of commitment, the radical commitment disrupted disrupted his like original quote unquote like agenda because his normal life was <laughs> sorry his normal life 
normal structural life was the type of life that believed that there's only one God, Nini Jehovah, you know, which is true. And Jesus did not even dispute that. But when God revealed himself, you know, he, it's not like he fully revealed himself to Moses. It's not like he fully revealed himself to the Israelites way back when. No. So when God... Morning! So when, so when God came down as man... You know, he was born into this sinful world. But then even through temptation and all that, he knew no sin, you know. And he died for us. That same God. So when others, the disciples, were preaching about Jesus, they weren't like, against the Jewish scriptures, the Torah. Like, they weren't going against the word of God. They were in line with the word of God. It's just that God had revealed himself in Christ, you know, in the human form, our bodily form, so that he could die for us, so that he could have victory over death, you know. Because we're told Jesus, hmm, I'm saying, you know, anyway, we're told like Jesus got the keys of the realm of the dead, meaning Satan had those keys. We're told that the three days that Jesus had was dead, he was fighting. He was in Hades, hell, whatever. <laughs> It's not forever. He was in hell fighting the devil and his minions. I usually say minions, but I don't know. I, I should stop saying minions. I'm just saying like his followers because minions are like cute. And the demons and the evil spirits are not cute. And my point, I mean, you get my point. My point is it was literally a, a battle, a war. And Jesus won that war, you know? Because this is what the entire scriptures of the Jewish text, the Torah, this is the entire thing that it all led to this. It was all, always, always, from the very beginning, the book of Genesis, God telling the snake that the her offspring, like Eve's offspring, will crush your head and you would bruise his heel. From the very beginning when sin entered into our human life, right? God already knew what needed to happen. And since the in our human minds, we always thought like, okay, so this this king that was going to come from the line of David was a man clearly right but then in other parts of the bible god is saying i, I i'm not going to quote them now because i don't i don't remember them but yeah it, like god god says i i myself will come will come and save like you know and nini and like um, defeat sin so 
when you're reading the scriptures, you ask yourself, is God going to come or is he going to send a man from the line of David? You know? So when Jesus came and he was born and the the Israelites and the, the Jews at the time started believing in Jesus when he was preaching, they thought like, okay, even though you're like a carpenter and stuff like that, okay, so you're, you're like... Your your sent your your God. Others didn't really think like he was God. They thought like, okay, this is the prophet who's going to like take out Rome, you know, and he's going to be king because he's like from the line of David and he's going to be the king. So they were expecting like this humanly rule. How we expect like an overthrow of the Roman Empire, and which eventually happened, of course, like the Roman Empire was like defeated. But it was like years and years and years later after Jesus' death. But Jesus, the moment, even the moment he was, um, the moment he he was uh, he, in front of these guys, who are they? The high priest. And they were asking them, like, are you the Messiah? And then he was like, you say I am. Stuff like that. Like at that moment, there's this part, I don't know which, which gospel, which whether it's Mark, Luke, or John, where Jesus says, like, that when the moment that you kill me, because he was referring himself as son of man, which is also linked to the to the book of Daniel, you know, when Daniel sees this vision that terrifies him. And then there's this part where he sees this human figure who's God, who's this human figure who is glorified and sits and is, um, what is it called? <sighs> you know, like he's made to rule next to like the ancient of, the, like next to God the Father. There's this other human figure. And then like there's all these things in the Old Testament. My point is like in the Torah, the Jews knew knew this. They knew that there would come this human figure from the line of David. But at the same time, it was God. Because God said like, okay, I don't know if they said like this human would be God. I think that's like, like Jesus surprised them. Like God was like, yeah, I mean, if you read my word, it's everything is like I've revealed to you how this was going to, to like to um to go down but i think people didn't shake anisha at the time and i don't blame them because even right now there are things that god has already said and we don't even shake anisha you know so my point is they were crucifying these disciples who are claiming that jesus is god and jesus came down and died for us so that we may receive the holy spirit and we may receive freedom and life because they were saying that you're you're praying to another god. You're Jews who are praying to another god, and that's bla- and you know that's idolatry. That and you're claiming that Yahweh God is Jesus, and they 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 didn't have they didn't have like a category for Jesus, you know. So they just persecuted him just because they didn't understand. Even when Jesus was alive. Okay, he's alive. I'm point I'm talking before his death, right? Before the death on the cross. When Jesus was saying, I and the Father are one, they had no category for that. So they were like, Wait, you're 
you're you're putting yourself in the same category as God, like blasphemy, you know. So my point is that. So even when Paul, who was crucifying and persecuting these guys, these disciples and apostles, you know, who are claiming that Jesus is God and the son, you know, he's the son of God. He is God. Even at that time, it was so hard for the disciples to believe, like, after three days, this guy is now claiming what we claim. You know, I'm so sure they were like, this is a trick. He wants, like, to be, like, to first to welcome him so that he might kill us. I'm so sure that's something that ran through their minds because he was killing every single person. Okay, not every single person. Most of them were being killed and also put in prison. So I don't know if they were put in prison and then killed. I don't know. That's just sad. And this such like such things are still happening right now. There are Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. Literally killed. So I mean such people who that's an example. Like a great example of such Christians who radically commit to following Jesus. You know, and like I said, it's not like I have an example in my life and it's not like I know exactly what God is telling me to radically commit to but like right now right now I I know there's a call in my life whenever you I when because I it's not like I was um I, I like I knew Jesus just the other day but just something in 2020 is that like there was this shift in my life when I was in such a low point and then just suddenly there's this light in my life right and I'm rediscovering Jesus because he wasn't gone it's just that I I had um there was there was there was just darkness around my eyes you know it's like so (laughs) um and it's because of maybe like things i was doing that made me blind to christ and i think when i was when i was saying like i'm just going to take this as a general message i wasn't that's why I, i like paused i think what i mean is like the call of being a christian just that call of being a Christ follower from the examples of the Bible and the Christians in the Bible, we see like they had to suffer, you know. It's not like a oh, I'm following God, so all my my prayers are being answered. Oh, I'm following God, so I'm all ha- like I'm happy every single day, and I have no no opposition and rainbow and clouds <laughs> i don't know i'm just <laughs> spitting out words there so there is that in god but there's also this peace when the world is falling apart when souls were literally turned upside down and his eyes were open and he realized, oh my goodness, I was hearing this from these people. But now I honestly see. Because 
God, Jesus revealed himself personally to him. You know? And this made Paul stand out. Like this type of commitment makes you stand out. And it's not the 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 um the pageant queen type of standing out like the first the the winner of the crown or something like that you know it's a different type of crown it's a crown like the jesus the type of crown jesus wore on um on the cross he was given a crown of thorns I'm trying to think, think through what I'm saying. Because we are told, you know, I, okay, I, I think, I, I, I don't want to like, I'm just going to, I don't know the exact verse and the exact words, but you're told like we're going to be glorified and given crowns in heaven. Like when we go before God, that's when, we're going to be glorified with those crowns. But right now on earth, the crowns that we are wearing, that we identify with as Christ followers, near, near thorns, it's the same crown Jesus wore. Because the lives of these Christians was not, the Christians that we read in the Bible, the ones that we are, that we are, we are supposed to like look look to and their lives and stuff like that whatever my point is they were not like living in mansions which is not bad and it's not like they had like the best chariot of with the best horses and stuff like that which is not bad it's not bad because there were also rich christians in the bible who were um i don't know what that what that, that word is but they were like they were helping the church financially so that's that's not what i'm talking about my point is in life in my life as a christian when i look at the lives of these other christians who are written in the bible who are being persecuted just because of speaking out who are being imprisoned for their faith who knows how this world i mean 22 we never saw 2020 coming I mean, some people might say, yeah, like, uh, such di like diseases happen, sure. But the amount of deaths, like, the, the losses, the fact that every single person on this planet, well, I'm just, not every single person, the people who, don't even know about covid i'm so sure i mean you know i mean there are people who are because there are people who are like uh what's the word i don't want to, to sound mean like the people in the rainforest and stuff like that who are like separated from like the 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 matrix you know, who have like no news channels to tell them about the, the need or stuff like that. So I'm so sure that people who found out way late or haven't even yet found out that there's this disease called COVID. But my point is like 99%, say, let me just say 90, like 98% of the world was wearing masks. I'm sorry, what? 
my point is like things can happen that we weren't expecting sorry so just because now i live in kenya and that's a country that that is majority christian and the other religions sure kwanza like in large numbers very large numbers but my point is in kenya i am privileged I have privilege as a Christian because I'm not being persecuted for my faith. It doesn't mean like every single Christian in Kenya is doing exactly what the Bible tells us to do, me included. But my point is I am not in the in I'm not in Paul's shoes. I'm not in Stephen's shoes, the guy who the the disciple who was stoned to death and many others were stoned to death there's a time even i i think the bible says that paul was also stoned he didn't die but he was stoned literally stoning <sighs> so i'm not in the i'm i'm privileged in that in that way right where i can literally have a podcast and just share about the word of god and nobody's going to take down my podcast or this episode or the government is not going to kill me for speaking about jesus So there are these good moments and I'm like what I'm got like privileged moments that I have but who knows how long they last You know who knows things can happen in like very quick I don't know quick words things shift unexpectedly and I need to have the same heart that is radically committed even when things shift i think that's the thing right okay i don't know i don't want to assume what god is trying to tell me i think this is something i really need to think about it's not like a week thing or a day thing like let me just figure out what god is saying about radical commitment maybe he's just brought to my attention so that i learn more about being radically committed as a christian so i'm not going to to have like a a conclusion when it comes to what God is trying to tell me now but I mean I've learned a lot from the how long how long has this been <laughs> from the 46 minutes that I've been reading the bible and talking about and thinking and meditating on the word and seeing examples of Paul and seeing how it applies to my life I've, I've learned something it's a lot but it's, it's something right and i think i if if i'm to obey if i'm to listen and obey then that means i should continue getting in shape and knowing what is written do it afraid like all that you know all that god wants me to to practice having the foundation that he is my audience of one you know what i mean <sighs> so we see like my encounter with Jesus Christ is what should change everything for me the same way Paul encountered Christ if i have truly encountered Jesus if i have truly encountered Christ the Messiah then my life should be different the way i talk what i do the actions i take should clearly show that this there's something different about June I should be radically committed there, there should be that pull cuz Paul I mean 
unajua ile unashushwa unajua ile like you're being humbled because you have in your head like okay i have this idea of jesus and he's the one who i pray to and i pray for a car and jesus just okay tells me that i'll send some money your way like god is not like a genie and to me for the longest time god is a genie who i would just rub the lamp and he was he would pop up whenever he wanted and i would wish for something it's like a wish oh it's like the bible is like like a moral book where i just go like oh my gosh i have like say what does god say about drinking should i drink should i not drink is it okay is it not okay what does god say about sex should i have sex should i not have sex what does god say about my i mean that it's it is what the bible is about i'm sure right god is trying to guide us morally but it's that's not the entire message of the bible the entire message of the bible is about christ from the very beginning of genesis we are we are we are shown how god revealed himself to these people his chosen people he chose a specific group of people the jews and through them he was trying you know he was trying to save humanity okay it's not like god tries god does things knowing the outcome so it's not god it's not like god was trying to save humanity god was saving humanity through these people these people are the ones who had to try to obey just like now we still have to continue trying to obey so my point is there's is there's even a reason why when god when god himself you know met abraham abraham was not like a, a like a yahweh follower Abraham was praying to many gods. So that encounter radically changed Abraham's life. He radically committed to Yahweh. So my point is like if I have truly encountered Christ, something's need to change. People need to see me and start asking, are you the same person? Cuz literally Saul Saul there was this radical change and we are told i think we are told like we become like christ when we when we when when we receive him and when we start obeying and and obeying the holy spirit the holy spirit leads us to christ and helps us to be to to become like christ and jesus was so different from humanity So when I I as a Christian I need to be different if I have truly encountered Jesus and I think it's a challenge that I'll 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 continue like for the rest of my life I'll have to to deal with it's a challenge that I'll have to continuously face it's not like a I'm done like that no but I need to make the first choice to radically commit if i claim to have been sent <laughs> i don't even know today if i'll i'll pause let me just say the final things
So I had written down. Let me just read what I had written down. It's like I was writing down this. I wrote, my encounter with Christ Jesus is what has changed everything for me. I can't renounce him because I know him now. He is real and has spoken to me. I know the truth now. And now all I need to do is decide. Should I stay or should I go? Like Paul, you know, Paul had to decide. I met Jesus. The three days I'm confused, I'm blind, fine. I'm, my, I'm trying to wrap my head around what is happening. I'm seeing visions. So Paul is thinking, am I honestly going to start following this guy who I was persecuting? What are people going to think about me? Should I stay and just be the same? Or should I go and live this new life, you know, and radically commit? So I continued and says, there is no in between. What will never change, even if I choose to stay, is the truth that's now revealed to me. Paul's encounter with Christ opened his eyes to the truth of Jesus as Christ, as Messiah, as God with us. In three days, his entire life changed. He made a radical change, a radical commitment to follow Christ and preach and teach his word, no matter the obstacles. So God expects me to answer the call and commit myself fully to Christ radically so i think that's it i'll leave you with i'll leave you i sound like a radio figure i'll leave whoever is listening i'll leave you or june in the future i'll leave you with this song by the clash should i stay or should i go now i'm sure Somebody might ask, okay, this person is talking to a girl. <laughs> what is this about? But I think this song also came to mind. To be honest, I wrote down, after I wrote down the first point, I wrote down song, The Clash. Should I say or should I go? Like that came to mind. But it's in the, in the perspective, like I'm looking at should I stay or should I go in that, in the, in the line of, should I commit? You know, should I not commit or should I commit? To being radically commit, like, should I radically commit or should I not? <laughs> because indecision is like, you know, the ability to not make a decision quickly. Or like I had written like indecisive, somebody who's indecisive is someone who can't make up his mind or her mind or make decisions indecisiveness the act of hesitating or state of being hesitant timidity because even paul himself advises timothy who is this young christian that he's mentoring he says you should not be timid like um he said like god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind having a timid personality or a timid mind a fearful mind you're hesitant to make decisions because you're i don't know i don't want that you know and it's so clear when you radically commit like paul 
Paul radically committed, which meant like he was not timid at all. He pre- and we to- we, I had read like he preached boldly. Like that's something that was I've read twice from that part that I've read. I've seen if it's more than that, I don't know. But I remember reading twice. He preached boldly. He was not indecisive on the, about the word of God. He was a, he was not indecisive on on who Jesus was. It was so clear to him. And I think that's something that that I need to to look into when it comes to my life with Christ. Is 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 Jesus a maybe for me or is is or is he like my all? Is everything I do led by him? You know? So I think that's it. The clash. Should I stay or should I go? Morning. Morning. Not a record. Should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? It's always taste, taste, taste. You're happy when I'm on my knees. One day. Black. So if you want me off your back, well come on and let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? If I go Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Hopefully you'll be joining me every Tuesday for new episodes of the Trying Podcast. Stay safe, guys. Bye.